Well, hello everybody and welcome hey. to the <laughs> Welcome to the Word in the Hill. This I'm Father Peter Musset. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're doing a good imitation of him yeah. now. He and cuts, cuts me off regularly. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, we are. Well, I figure that's my only job today is actually act like Father Peter Musset, which is to derail everything that you say. That's awesome. <laughs> I can't wait for that. <laughs> so my name is Scott Powell, and I'm here with Father Brady Wagner. Not Father Peter Musset. Father Peter Musset is on vacation, yes. a much-needed vacation. So the lowly parochial vicar is taking his spot. <laughs> we are thrilled to have you. Oh, thank you. I've, I know I've been on here before. And the last time I was, I was so horrified that I just watched you talk. <laughs> <laughs> your mind, your mind was somewhere else. Yeah, I don't even think you watched me talk. I think you're you glazed over. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's all right though. It's a new day. It's a it new is. Lent. And God's mercies are fresh and new every morning. How's your Lent going? Uh, horrible, actually. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. Sorry, that was a <laughs> no, it's been really good, though, actually. Uh, just being reduced to humility again oh, and again man. and again. Lent's tough. Yeah. Um, I know. Seriously. It's like, okay, so this is the fifth Sunday in Lent, right? And yeah. And I feel like, you know, I, I ran cross country and track, and um, I hated that section of the race that was right before the final sprint. And oh, it was yeah. kind of like I ran the 800. It was like oh, the, the, 800 the was 400 terrible. to the 600 meters. That was like the worst section. And That's then awful. like the yeah, like the last half mile of um, of cross country, it was just so painful. You know what I hated most about track? Yeah. Running. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Wow. Yeah, no, it's good. I was a sprinter, though, so we didn't run yeah. very much. Oh. Just short distances. Yeah. I so the 800 was unthinkable. Guys. Yeah, that was a painful race. Yeah. Because it's like you just have to basically run as fast as you can for a half mile. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's inhuman. That sounds like Lent in some ways. Yeah. Which is all right. Mm-hmm. We need that sometimes. Yeah. But we're about ready for the final sprint because yep. I guess next weekend is Palm Sunday. That's right. Pink, the, uh, the is it Laudate? Wait. Laetare. Laetare. That was last Gaudete weekend. is yeah. Christmas. Laetare for uh, Lent. Advent. L and L. That's how I always remember. Oh, I really wish somebody had told me that before yeah. now. Yeah. That's very helpful. Yeah, it snuck up on me. I think mm-hmm. Father Peter and I were even talking on the podcast last week about when that was. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're in there rose vestments. Yeah. There you were in your rose. I know. We've oh, got man. some really good rose. Oh, it's very hard to find good rose vestments. Those we are, have some really good ones. They are They are real nice. I honestly feel like Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when I wear those. Oh, wow. Do you think he was rose? Colored? Well, dazzling white, but close enough. It's just—I don't know—they just sparkle. No, they really or do. Yeah. They really do. They're intense. Yeah, you look good. Thanks. No, you really do. I, there's no <laughs> way. I'm, I'm, every time I say it, it sounds sarcastic, but it's not. Not oh, for Pete's sake. All right, it yeah. is the fifth. Su- well, it's going to be the fifth Sunday of Lent. Yes. And so our readings this week. Our first reading is coming from the book of Isaiah. We're in chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. And I jump in too, right? Yeah, what's the psalm? Fun? The psalm is 126, and it doesn't look like there are any verses. No? Is the... <laughs> well, that's what that's what Magnificat says. Well, you tell me. No, yeah, it's basically 1 it's, through 6. So it's 1 through 2, and then 2 so to 3, whole, 4 to 5, and then 6. It's the whole psalm. <laughs> yeah, basically. Saddle up. Yeah. Our second reading is coming from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 8 through 14. And then our gospel is from the gospel of John. Hmm. Uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And this is great because I feel like you're much more well-versed in John than I am. Oh, we'll see about that. I might have to question you on some things. Okay. This is a great story, though. It is. Super powerful. 
Now, my problem, so we usually do these in order, right? Okay. But I, I, in my mind, I'm, I'm struggling with the second reading. Okay. And I'm kind of only making sense of it in light of the gospel. So I'm tempted to mix them up. Okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll cross well, that bridge when I we come to it. I will gladly follow your lead. <laughs> well, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous thing. All right. Um, I think the first reading is really weird, and I'm, I'm excited. So Father Peter and I always have a policy. We cannot speak about the readings before the podcast. Okay. And we didn't speak about no. any. We spoke about your diet, dietary habits. <laughs> Which <laughs> you, are better than like, yours, apparently. At the moment. It's this place. You yeah. guys have all the sweets and the snack food <laughs> that I never get. Yeah, this place, is a, it's yeah. dangerous to me. Yeah, I've got lime Tostitos and trolley gummy worms in front of me. And you've got your carrots and yeah. carrots and your wrap full of... Sweet Spinach. goodness. Yeah. Sweet goodness. Okay, anyway. So Psalm 40, uh, Isaiah 43. Um, Isaiah, you know, crash course, nutshell Isaiah. Isaiah is split into two parts, right? There's the bad news and there's the good news. The bad news is chapters 1 through 39. It's all the warnings that Isaiah gives Israel. You've been unfaithful to the covenant. You've turned your back on God. You've worshipped idols. You've done all these things in the Lord's sight. There's going to be punishment, just punishment. But in the Bible, we know that punishment is always for the sake of restoration, right? Mm -hmm. So chapters 40 through 66 then is called the book of comfort or consolation, right? right. Because it begins by saying comfort, comfort my people. So we're, we're kind of at the beginning of that in chapter 43, and this is really a comforting passage. It kind of, it, it really goes with the psalm in a lot of ways. You know, in Israel's darkest moments, the thing that God usually does for Israel is call them to look back in the past. Mm -hmm. And when things are particularly dark, God always calls them to remember the times that they were in darkness in the past, and he brought them out of that. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is doing. So it begins by saying, thus says the Lord who opens a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who leads out chariots and horsemen and a powerful army. They lie prostrate together, never to rise. They're snuffed out, quenched like a wick. So this is obviously recalling the, the, Exodus, the Exodus story, right? Yeah. But here's where it gets weird. So... And, and this is consistent throughout the Old Testament, throughout the whole Bible, but specifically in the prophets, always calling Israel to remember, remember. because yeah, it's the times forget. that they don't that they don't remember that they always hit the hardest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that's where the next line is weird to me. Yeah, to it totally thought. threw me off too. I was like, remember not, remember not the yeah. events of the past, right? Or the things long ago. Consider not, for now I am doing something new. Right. right. What What on earth do you think? God is saying through Isaiah there. Well, I was kind of confused. I was super thrown off by the same thing because it's like Moses is consistently saying like, don't forget, yeah. remember, remember, remember. So and is Isaiah. When they, yeah, and whenever um, whenever they did forget, it just, everything came crumbling down. Right. Well, this is my thought. Okay, so my brother, he does this to me where <laughs> um, if I have a handful of chips, he comes, he's probably done this to you. Yeah, he comes I, I and grabs a hold of your arm and starts to shake it. You, he does it when I have a cup of coffee. Oh, and a, okay. a hot so, cup of coffee. So, but for the chips, he would always do that because <laughs> you know it's like you, there's two options. You can either hold on tight and and make sure that none of the chips fall out of your hand. And, and what do you do? Them. You you crush them all in your hand. <laughs> or if you try to hold on loosely, they're just gonna fall out of your hands. Brilliant. And Evil so brilliance. I, I was just thinking. I know. What a horrible horrible person. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, no, but I was thinking like holding on too tight, uh, what you end up doing is kind of crushing that which has been given. Um, oh. And so remembering back is not really allow like holding in one's hand and clinching too tight are different things. Okay. You know, like remembering what God has done and yeah. the grace that he's given, but allowing it still to develop and unfold hmm. in a way that, I don't know, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm trying no, to like no. grope in the dark for something here. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess it's like, 
Um, maybe like an egg. I know well, maybe this doesn't really work too well, but like if I'm holding on to an egg so tight, yeah, I'm just going to totally it. destroy it. Yeah. You know, but like, um, but if I, if I hold it in a way of remembrance, but it allows mm. it to hatch into yeah. something that is new. Um, like an omelet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I was thinking life. Yeah. But yeah. Well, omelets give life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, gosh, that's a good insight. I'm also wondering if, if there's two separate things that Isaiah is talking about here. So there's, yeah. there's obviously do remember what God has mm-hmm. done, how mm-hmm. he's brought you out of this. But I mean, and, and this is where you, we can't, this is the beauty of, of how the church reads the scriptures. You know, the whole Old Testament is revealed in the new mm-hmm. and the, the new is concealed in the old. Mm-hmm. The gospel is going to be all about how um, turning from one's sins and leaving them behind and moving on. Yeah. What Isaiah just finished telling Israel in the first 39 chapters was how they've disobeyed God, how they've turned their mm-hmm. backs, how there is punishment, how they deserve it, all yeah. of these things. But now it's saying, but now he's going to do something new. And yeah. you can actually leave those things to the past. I mean, I think yeah. of confession. We can actually forget those things. We can move mm. on and, mm. and literally leave them there. Yeah, yeah. There's also the issue, so a third thing that pops into my mind, of, you know, Israel's in a pretty dark place here. Um, they actually haven't been attacked by Babylon yet. They're about to be. They're going to go into this really dark period that the psalm is then going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But there's a temptation to want to cling maybe too tightly to the ways that God has acted simply in the past yeah, yeah, yeah. without seeing, okay, we, you got to let go of that and actually move forward right. now. Like that's yeah. good and that's mm-hmm. important, but he wants to move you. Ahead. Yeah. And this was the second thought that I had was, uh, you know, in the first Exodus, what happens? I mean, God reveals his strong arm yeah. and Pharaoh, Pharaoh and his, <laughs> Pharaoh and his chariots, <laughs> Pharaoh and his chariots. Um, he's, you know, they're, they're coming up behind, uh, all the Israelites and they're like thinking, Oh no, this is the end. And then right. he parts the sea and then they have the, the waters of the sea crash in on Pharaoh and, the, and his like chariots. Like milk and- in a bowl of serious <laughs> exactly Curious. yeah and uh anyway i mean like god reveals his strong arm yeah. in the way that he deals with the enemies of israel yeah yeah but here's the thing i think that god wants us to see that or prepare that he's going to do something new and the way he saves he's not going to flex his strong arm in a way that we think yeah in order to prepare the way for the cross because mm. his his strong arm is going to be revealed uh by being fastened to wood where well, it's immovable. Well, even th- th- that's a hundred percent true. But there, even that, I mean, even within Isaiah, before you get to, you know, the revelation of, of who Jesus is, you know, I was talking, I was doing a Bible study with the focus crew yeah. last week and we were talking about how, you know, it's so easy to look from the Christian perspective. It's so easy to look back in on the old Testament and the Psalms and all of these prophecies that so clearly point to Jesus and say, wow, how did they, how did so many people miss it? Mm-hmm. Like it's clear he's going to be born of a virgin in Bethlehem, you know, all these things that are so crystal clear. But at the same time you read through the Psalm, you read through uh, the prophets and, you know, variously it'll say God is going to defeat all of his enemies and God's going to be defeated by his enemies. And he's going to be come with a strong arm yeah. and he's going to come in humility and he's right. going to come in, you know, wipe out the armies and he's going to come humble. And, you know, it, it, yeah. it kind of goes constantly back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, which one is it? And of course, yeah. in hindsight of Christ, we can see. But even here, you know, through this whole section from about here to chapter 52, there's this talk about God coming with his strong arm. It does say that in mm-hmm. Isaiah. Mm-hmm. But what does his strong arm produce? Well, here it produces 
rivers and what well, here it talks about the wild beasts but elsewhere it talks about you know blooms are going to come forth on the tree and the the trees will will come into leaf and there'll be flowers and there'll be creeks and streams what is god's mighty powerful arm but this flowers blooming and it, yeah. it seems incongru- incongruous yeah. doesn't it yeah but the, so it's setting us up for the idea that the way that God's strong arm is going to be revealed, like you said, mm-hmm. it's going to be different than the Exodus. It is going to be revealed, yeah. but maybe not in the way that you expect it to be revealed. I just cannot wait to see jackals and ostriches honor the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do they do that? Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of something funny to say. <laughs> Father Peter would have had something to say. Oh, yeah. Jackals and ostriches. Why does it choose them? I have no idea. Do you think there were a lot of jackals and ostriches in the promised land? I'm not even sure I know what a jackal is. You know, ostriches. I've I've eaten ostrich before. Have you? Yeah. When I was in high school, I grew up here in Boulder, Mm -hmm. and whenever I was in a bad mood, just really down, there was an ostrich farm just east of Boulder on about 75th Street, and I would just drive out to the ostrich farm, and I would just look at them. (laughs) (laughs) And it never failed. It never failed to cheer me up. Oh, they yeah. were just delightful. Yeah. But they were super mean, too. Don't let them get close to you. <laughs> so, yeah, so I can kind of see it. They're showing <laughs> giving, Yeah, giving joy to, <laughs> to the downcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is weird. And, and Isaiah veils this. I'm going to do something new. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be, because, you know, Israel's going into the desert. They're about to be taken off into exile. They're going to literally go into a wasteland, mm-hmm. spiritual, physical, Literal, you know, metaphorical, all, all of these things. But it's precisely in the wasteland that he's going to begin to rebuild them. Mm-hmm. It is, it's not that, and this is the problem with the spiritual life, isn't it? We, we, God takes us often into these places of desert, but we just want him to bring us back into the fruitful places. Yeah. Rather than recognize, no, you're actually going to make the desert a fruitful place. Oh, wow. Not yeah. just, I'm ready to leave the desert and go back home now. Yeah. You're actually going to transform this place. Yeah. And that's what he's saying. Because, you know, the Exodus story, it's great, but they leave Egypt and they come back to the promised land. That That's going to happen after Babylon as well, mm-hmm. but it's not as smooth. They come back to the promised land, but it's controlled by somebody else. They never right. get out of exile. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. So how can God make exile fruitful mm. and actually make bring that experience back mm-hmm. to life and show them it's actually about more than just land? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's about it's about well, all of creation, but it's about your hearts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So he's setting us up, I think. And he's setting us up for the Easter story. Right. Because again, Jesus is going to the desert. I mean, he's mm. in the desert for 40 days in Lent, but he's going to the cross. I mean, the ultimate wasteland. His body is going to be a wasteland. He's yeah. going to go into this place. And can we believe that that is actually going to bring forth new life? Right. Yeah. And mm. God's mighty arm. Yeah. It's fascinating. In a radically new way. Radical. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think that's actually a good segue into the psalm. What yeah. Do you think? Unless you oh, have no, something I, else. No, I think so too. I mean, it's like as they. I was just thinking the what is it? Psalm eighty four. As they go through the bitter valley. Oh yeah. They make it a place of springs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah, that, that's it. That it's precisely God transforming and sanctifying even the desert. Yeah. Uh, that it might yeah. be a, an oasis of life. Yeah. Or yeah. jackals and ostriches. Or jackals and ostriches, sweet, baby. Good time. <laughs> okay, a sweet, so good time. Okay, so Psalm 126. <laughs> 126. Yeah, so this is kind of cool. So if, if the first reading is, is sort of reflecting, in part at least, is reflecting on God's release of Israel from Egypt, Psalm 126 is going to be reflecting on God's release of his people from Babylon. Right. So, you know, the Psalms were all, they were written over the course of Israel's history. 
you know, by David and Solomon and others, but they were compiled probably around the time that they're um, being oppressed by the Greeks, frankly, around almost, almost up to the time of the Maccabees, you know, a few generations before Jesus. Um, and so the Psalms, it's just beautiful. And this is toward the tail end of the Psalms. Mm-hmm. They've got this opportunity to take all of these hymns about the history of Israel and put them into this form that we can actually look back sensibly and say, okay, what has God done? And I love this one. Um, the Lord has done great things for us. We're filled with joy. That's, I think it's self-explanatory how it relates to that first reading. But I love that first, I think it's called a stanza. I'm not sure how you speak about it. Strophe, maybe. Strophe. Yeah. It says, when the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Is that what the Magnificat translation yeah. says? Yeah. There's a couple different like um, men dreaming. translations. That's the part that stuck out to me. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues, uh, our tongue with rejoicing. But the we were like men dreaming. Um, there's a couple different translations for that. So the, mm-hmm. the original Hebrew, see if I can pronounce it. It's kehol mim, kehol mim, which can be translated as, as dreaming. But the, the most exact translation is like we were enraptured. It was like we were in a rapture, like mm-hmm. like we were in a trance. It was so amazing. Yeah. Well, I read um, also too, like another one of uh, like men restored to health. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I've yeah. never heard that. Yeah. I don't know. I saw that in a commentary somewhere. Men restored to health. I yeah. haven't heard that one before. Anyway, so keep going with your rapture thing. Well, th- there, there's that version, yeah. which is which is cool. Mm-hmm. The Greek, so that's the Hebrew. The okay. Greek version, it's the word parakaleo, or it's a it's a it's a oh really it's a, a conjugated form of parakaleo. Wow, which commonly means to comfort. So we're so there's actually translations that say we were like men comforted, which just feels way too weak. Yeah, and that's not really the wah, the wah. best translation of parakaleo. I mean, it's it's to be comforted, but to be brought back to life in a, in this yeah. glorious way, and and of course, parakaleo. What what word do we get from that? Uh, parakle- well, it comes from Isaiah forty, and then as oh, well yeah. as the paraklesis of uh, oh of, of the uh, the uh, the other paraclete in John fourteen. Yeah. So yeah. who is the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just I was just it made my mind kind of start spinning. You can almost read this back and say. And, you know, so again, we're reflecting on what God has done in the past, but if you apply this to now what Jesus has done, which is, again, this finds its, its fullness in Jesus, mm-hmm. when we when we saw this, we were like men holy spirited. Wow. Literally is what, in the Christian vision, it's saying, literally. We were like men filled with the Holy Spirit, parakaleod. Like, we can, we can translate in this to, into Christian language, and... What that's supposed to mean, again, if you take the fullness and the, the layers of these translations, we should look, and I don't do that. I mean, I don't know who of us do, does this on a regular basis, but mm-hmm. we should look at what God has done. We should look at Easter Sunday and be like, that is so amazing. I want to pinch myself because it feels like I'm dreaming. Yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. believe Oh yeah, I mean, that's well, real. I think that's one of the, the greatest signs of the gift of the Spirit in one's, one's person is like this ability to marvel, to <sighs> wonder in awe yeah. of God's work. I mean, and that's essentially yeah. really what Moses continually talks about. Yeah. It's like, what are you supposed to remember? Yeah. God's mighty deeds, his marvels, his wonders that he's done yeah. for, for us or for you. Yeah. Um, and and once we are continually rooted in that, we then have this moment of like, is this real life? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we should. Yeah. Until it becomes... Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I think when it says the Lord, you know, and all the nations are just like, wow, the yeah. Lord has done great things for them. Yeah. And, and then, you know, they, they reflect on that and it's like, yeah, the Lord has done great things for us. Yeah. Uh, indeed, we were glad. And so... Um, yeah. 
And I think of Mary's Magnificat. Hmm. The Almighty has done great things for me. And just right. trying to understand her interior heart there, of she's just astonished that the Lord has looked with her uh, with favor on his lowly handmaid. Well, that's an interesting insight, though, because she's probably thinking, like, is this real life? Like, I want to pinch myself. But not necessarily incomplete, like, oh, this is wonderful. Like, sure. oh, my gosh, this is a little too much for me. Is this a dream? Like, is you, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So there's layers to even that. It's mm-hmm. not all, oh, my gosh, everything is rainbows and, and yeah. puppies and daisies. Yeah. But, yeah. like, this is too much for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we should have a sense if we realize what God wants of us mm-hmm. and what he's going to equip us to do, there really should be a sense of, I mean, I was thinking about Romans the other day and how Paul uses Abraham as the model for all people who have faith because Abraham was given this promise by God that he was going to have children. He looked at himself. He's like, this is impossible. He looked at his wife. He's like, right. there's no way, Yeah, but I'm going to trust anyway. Mm-hmm. There should be a sense in all of us that like, I don't know if I can actually handle what God is asking me to yeah. do. This is too big. This is mm-hmm. like, a weird dream. Yeah. But we do it anyway. We go forth anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Mary is an interesting insight. Yeah. And I think, uh, but I think though that like fundamentally, I, I love this line from St. Ignatius where he says, what is the origin, the cause, the beginning of all evil and sin? Me. And he says, what? Me. <laughs> well, in our own line, my own. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, he says ingratitude. Oh, crap. Ingratitude. How so? Well, I don't know. He just says that. He just <laughs> drops that bomb. It's like mic drop, you know? What it's is like that? He just throws that oh, out there. Ingratitude. Ingratitude. Like being ungrateful. ungrateful. Oh, I think he's meant in. No, no, no. Oh, no, that no, makes no. a lot more no. sense. No, so being ungrateful. Ingratitude. And so, like, oh, okay. it, it, it closes oh. the heart to the blessing oh. that God desires to give. So I would think that hmm. the as they stand in this place of, of um, wow. you know, being paracleted paracleted or whatever um (laughs) that they're just astonished that the lord has had favor upon them and their heart is full uh, out of gratitude and you know i mean like in the moment what are they looking at they just saw i mean in in the history of israel the northern 10 tribes were conquered by assyria scattered all over the place and they vanish yeah they're done yeah gone and that's exactly i mean that's what happens uh when nations are um uh, conquered and then brought into exile. They just right. disappear. Right. But what happens for these guys is they didn't. They didn't disappear. And they That's actually are by wow. radically um, oh. restored to the land by some crazy moment of a Persian pagan emperor. Yeah, being they, God's tool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh my goodness, th- this is amazing. Wow. I mean, like, what should have happened wow. was that we should have vanished like everyone else. Wow. But I never thought about that. But then they're restored back to the land. Somewhat intact. Yeah. Wow. I never thought about that. I mean, they still have a bunch yeah. of, you know, s- carrying seed for the sowing and, oh, uh, obviously. and tears and all that kind and of stuff. And a lot of them have died. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. But, but that's know. a, wow, that's a fascinating, I've never thought about that. Yeah. Wow. It's like I'm dreaming. <laughs> I'll pinch you. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Which brings us to Philippians. Yes. The Scubala passage. Yes. Yeah, so Which I'm not going to translate. Well, I did read a, an ancient commentary that said it's the the thing that you put in the outhouse. Oh yeah, that's how they articulated it. Oh nice, it's a very that's, gentle way. Yeah. Well, if if you don't know what we're talking about, there's this great passage in Philippians. This is the reading for this week. We're kind of thrown into the end of it, which is always a little bit frustrating that we don't get the context in the beginning of what Paul is saying. It actually comes, ironically, not ironically, but it comes after what's called the canonic hymn. So, you know, Paul gives this huge, beautiful 
um, example of how Jesus, you know, you know the thing, though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped at, rather he emptied himself, he poured himself out, kenosis, right? Mm-hmm. And because of this total pouring out, becoming, you know, human in form like a slave, he gave himself up to death. And because of that, God super exalted him mm-hmm. and gave him the name, which is above every other name. So this this explanation of how Jesus is is every knee will bend because of Jesus' self-emptying. Then, about a chapter later, Paul gives his own canonic hymn. He basically, right before where we jump into it, he gave his whole resume. And he basically is like, look, I was the best of the best. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was, you know, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, the one and only tribe that didn't abandon Jerusalem, you know, in the Civil War. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was blameless. I was the best teacher of the life. I was, you know, doing boom, 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 boom. How do you like me now? All the greatest things. And then he says, but I counted it as... As refuse, as, yeah. as, as the stuff you flush down the toilet. Literally, scubala, as loss is the translation, which just doesn't quite get it. <laughs> I get it He's as, trying, to, trying to make himself clear. <laughs> he, he is. I mean, it, seriously, if you're reading this, and these would have been read at mass to the congregations, you're mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you can't say that. I mean, that's <laughs> it's a pretty shocking thing to say, yeah. but he says it. Maybe I'll try that this weekend yeah, with the go students. For it. Let's see, let's see okay. how that goes. No, that would not be Maybe. a good idea. Uh, but I counted it all as that. I, I emptied myself for the sake, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. I love it because it's Paul putting his money where his mouth is, mm-hmm. basically saying, I'm not just going to tell you what Jesus did. I'm going to show you the ways in which I've tried to imitate him, which is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I actually don't have anything else to say about that until we get to the gospel. Oh, okay. then I think there's you, something interesting. Okay. But if you've got something... Well, I mean, I was out, thinking like... Go for okay, it. Okay, so uh, his experience then is... Um, you know, like his his experience of desiring to to follow the law yeah. to to the T, you know, yeah, or right. to the Yoda or whatever. Ah, very good. <laughs> um, and he uh, his experience of this is like this has all been worthless uh, because of um, because of now receiving the the gift of. Uh, well, um, worthless compared compared to, to this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's kind what of do like, you think? Well, I, going back to that egg, and this is what made me think <laughs> of that egg thing is that like the shell. Is important, yeah. But what it, it, the reason why it's important is because of what it holds, right? Um, right. Like the eggshell, okay. Um, that it actually can uh, what what's inside is actually more important because it gives new life. You know, you're supposed to eat the shells it has the most nutrients. Are you serious? No, I'm not at all. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say no. That's going to totally want... destroy that image. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like something you'd oh uh, yeah see at Whole Foods? Yeah. Well, anyway, sorry. sorry okay, sorry, sorry. so anyway, it's what it holds. But, yeah. but once he experiences this, um, he realizes how all that is just is is like chaff. Yeah, you know, it, it's just stuff that can fall away because I finally get what the whole plan was oriented towards. Mm. And here's the thing, though, is that even though he's already received uh, the faith to know him and the power of his resurrection. He is now beginning his journey. Like he's in way been been freed. He's been yeah. brought out in the Exodus. Yeah. He's been freed oh. from slavery. Now what he's doing is he's spending his life sharing in suffering, being conformed to the death of Jesus, so that he might attain the resurrection from the dead. So there's kind of like this is the beginning of the rest of his life. But it's even more I mean, it's even more literal than that. I mean, all of that is true, but I mean, yeah. do you remember what I think it's Galatians he talks about this. After he had the Damascus incident where he's thrown to the ground and he sees Jesus Christ, he actually goes down probably to the Sinai Peninsula 
where the Exodus took place, mm, where all wow. of this started. Yeah. He's like, I need to go enter oh, into my own Exodus. Oh, follow man. Moses yeah. so that I can come back into the promised land into this into this newness. So I, I mean, wow. you're right, but he literally does that. Yeah. And and then he Which ends up spending the rest of his life um saying like I am striving towards advancing advancing towards yeah. certainly kind of like resting upon the faith of what he's received or yeah. like the grace of what he's received yeah. but he's allowing that to develop in his life being conformed more and more to the life of Jesus yeah. in his suffering so that he might attain the resurrection and, th- and that's why he's like saying I, I I continue I continue in my pursuit yeah. in hope yeah. that I may possess it yeah so uh, yeah like this pursuit toward a goal and not to I don't know if this applies directly or not but I'm I I can't not think of 2 Corinthians where he says part of his job in that as a minister is to parakaleo the people. Mm. He says, my job is to comfort you, to come. He says, basically, God has parakaleoed me. Yeah. He's come alongside me. Right. He's made me wonder at what he's done yeah. so that I can understand that, so that I can parakaleo you, come alongside you and help you to wonder at what he's done. So yeah, I, I don't know if that's too much of a stretch to put pieces together, but he does see that as a fundamental part of this. Yeah. His vocation. Oh, absolutely. Which is cool. Okay. Gospel. Then we get to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. This is chapter 8. And it was early in the morning. He arrived at the temple area. And all the people started coming to him. And he sat down and taught. And then the scribes and Pharisees, those those, those <laughs> party poopers. Be charitable. They, <laughs> party pooper kidding. was charitable. They brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. So, so we know this story, right? They bring yes. this woman caught in adultery. And they're like, all right, she was caught in the act of committing adultery, which is a pretty, I don't know, not to dwell on this, but I mean, that's pretty brutal. Caught in the act of committing adultery. The shame and the humiliation of that. Oh, yeah. And And who knows where the guy is. Right. He's obviously maybe run off or let off the hook. I don't know. Yeah. But this this poor woman, I mean, she's there. um, And they're like, well, you know, they're trying to trick Jesus, right? They're like, you know, the, the law said, Moses said, we have to stone somebody like this. Um, What do you say? And obviously it's. There's all these different occasions which the Pharisees try to trap him. But basically, right. if he says, okay, yeah, stone her, they can turn him over to the Roman authorities because mm-hmm. it's illegal for the Jewish people to actually uh, um, perform a, a death sentence on someone. Yeah. Yeah. If he says, no, 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 don't stone her, they're like, well, you're being soft on the law. You don't care about Moses. You're throwing out the Torah. You're, uh, you're a heretic. You're a hypocrite. Yeah, totally you know? discredit him. So, so no matter what he says, yeah. he's kind of trapped. They're like, what are you going to do now? Right. Big guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he totally, it's amazing how he, how he evades all of it. And he turns the tables on them. Slipping um, right through. He slips right through. So, you know, you know the scene. He, he, well, okay. So what he, they said this to test him so they could have char- some charge against him. And he bent down. He began to write on the ground with his finger. So, you know, it's this, nobody knows exactly what he was writing on the ground. But what yeah. do you think he was writing? Everybody's got their uh, theory. I don't know. I mean, like, okay, what are some other places where God wrote? With his finger. Jeremiah? Uh, yeah. Oh, so right? Jeremiah 17. Yeah. yeah. Jeremiah 17, 13. There's Daniel about writing names in the book of life. With the finger of God? Yeah. Oh. I believe so. Well, no, right? the, Daniel's, um, it's, that's when there's the writing on the wall. It's actually judgment. Oh, the handwriting yeah. on the wall. Ooh. Yeah. I, I actually Mene, didn't even think about it. That's not what I was thinking. Perez or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're right. Um, I so forgot about that. Uh, that's, wow. No, I... I don't know why I didn't even put that together. No, that's that's pretty profound. Like Jesus' own judgment. Well, and then you know, like the finger of God. It it was by the finger of God in Exodus thirty-one that he 
uh, wrote the commandments on the tablets of the law. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so the finger of God there, uh, he casts out demons by... By his finger. By the finger of God yeah. in Luke's gospel. Yeah, that's true. Um, so what does all that mean? Oh, he... I think the, one other one is, is Psalm 8. He actually creates the world through his fingers. Does he? Or with it's all he, like fa- uh, fabricates with his fingers. I don't know. I didn't look at the the Hebrew. No, that's but I didn't know yeah, about that one. The way he creates the heavens and the earth. Wow. Um, There's a lot going on. Yeah. So anyway, um, I don't know. I, I I imagine it's probably either their names hmm. or their sins. Yeah, that's. I, those are kind of two of the most. Because I, I, popular, I, I, I could see I could see him actually um, writing their names in yeah. the ground and saying, "I'm not responsible for her condemnation. You are. So if you want to say that she's condemned, actually oh. the Romans are going to come and, and they're going to see all your names, all right your names written right here. Oh, I didn't think about it that yeah. way. And then because who are the oh, people? Wow. The, who are the people who are supposed to start the um, um, the uh, the stoning the or the execution, the people who actually testified against her. Yeah, right. And so the one who is without <clears throat> sin cast the first stone. Right. And so the one who's going to throw the first stone, he's the one who's going to be um, responsible for her death, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Um, and, like, if you want to do this, you're going to be the one who's going to deliver gonna... over to, to the Roman authorities. Yeah, me. you're trying to get me in trouble yeah. with the Romans, yeah. but I'm not actually going to do it. You know, just because I think it's important... A word about stoning in the Old Testament. We think about stoning and you just think about, you know, I'm going to toss these pebble, you know, these sure. rocks at somebody. Sure. You know, stoning in the Old Testament or in the in the biblical tradition, they would literally throw somebody off a cliff and then they would roll huge boulders on top of them oh my and bury them. That's goodness. what stoning consisted of. Wow. Which just to, just to highlight how awful a thing that this woman is facing sure, yeah. is before her. And, and, you know, when, remember when Jesus, it's in Luke, they want to throw him off the cliff mm-hmm. when he's in um, Nazareth. Right, yeah. They wanted, that was a, the beginning of the stoning process. Mm-hmm. That's what wow. they're trying to do. Okay. So just to, just to make this even more vivid, what he's actually saving her from, mm-hmm. it's pretty profound. Yeah, so he, I, I like, so he, yeah, let, he, who was without the first stone, uh, without sin, throw the first stone at her. And then Mary was back there, and she chucked a rock at her head. <laughs> He's like, "Mom, oh, I'm sorry." It's I, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the immaculate one. But uh-huh. I, I do like that it says. I, for some reason, I'm struck by this. It says, "In response, they went away one by one, beginning with the oldest to the youngest." Yeah. And I, I think those what, with the hoary crowns. The hoary crowns. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. The gray hairs. Yeah. But I think what it's saying is that the the elders tend to be the wisest, mm-hmm. and the implication is they were the first to sort of get those with wisdom. They yeah. understood. Yeah, like yeah. oh, I, I see this. Um, yeah, and then well, uh, maybe there's one thing to say too about like Jeremiah 17 because I think it's yeah. pretty powerful in John's gospel because what comes immediately preceding it. This is at the the feast of what is it Tabernacles. I believe so. Um, oh, so, here in John? In John's yeah, Gospel, yeah. 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 In the Feast of Tabernacles. Yeah, that in chapter it, 7. It's, uh, in his last discourse, is, is speaking about uh, the the rivers, uh, the fountain of living water. Yeah, the fountain of living water. Yeah. And in Jeremiah 17, it, because he actually projected. Des- it describes um, those who have, ban- who have abandoned the fountains of living water, or the fountain of living water. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting yeah, right, to think right. like that God is actually writing in the earth because it's, that's what he says is that God is writing in the earth. It shall be written in the earth. Yeah. Those who have abandoned 
the fountain of living water. Which he just made himself, about, showed yeah. himself to be in the previous right, chapter. Right, right, Well, and, and what does it mean that they've abandoned the fountain of living water? There, there's a quote from uh, the Venerable St. Bede. Um, you remember our buddy, the Venerable Bede? Yes. He, I, I thought this was kind of neat. He said, uh, he talked about Christ who twice bends down to write in the ground teaches us to bend low in humility to examine ourselves both before and after addressing the faults of our neighbor. Hmm. Which it's this before song, and after before and wow. after addressing sandwiching the faults of our that I know isn't yeah, that kind of cool? awesome? Which is what he's doing. Yeah, and then eventually everybody's gone, right? And he's yeah, and it's cool. He he, he um even her, you know, he doesn't let her off the hook, right? He doesn't condemn her, right? Though. He says, "Go and sin no more." Yeah. This is where people, especially our society, we we get. We want so much for it to be one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. We want the mean, angry Jesus because that's how we feel about the world. Yep. Or we want the 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 super laid back, everything's fine, yep. I love everybody Jesus. Totally. Not the actual reality mm-hmm. of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is, no, I'm not going to condemn you. You're not going to be stoned today, but don't do this anymore. Yeah. Sin yeah, yeah. no more. Yeah. And strong you, words. You know what I found to be really interesting in my times of spiritual direction and stuff like that is that um, a lot of people... Um, and I take them through this this uh, passage a lot to pray through. And it's surprising how many people, when they look up and look around and see, everyone's gone except for one. They've still got a, a rock in their hand. Really? And when they look at their face, it? it's themselves. And they're just like, <sighs> wow. they're, the, they're the ones who are not wow. willing to walk away. Wow. They're the ones who want to continue to condemn themselves. Wow, and and that they're unable to then turn and, and really see the face of Jesus in that moment because I wow. just cannot, I, I don't deserve it. I deserve to be, um, right. I don't deserve this this grace of mercy at all. Right, um, and that's usually the last one to walk. Wow, uh, that's just m- wow. my experience of doing some spiritual direction. That makes a people. lot of sense. I mean, yeah. I can I can, yeah, certainly see it. I wonder I wonder how we don't really get much response from the woman herself. Right. But but we do, I mean, he says, is there, he actually asks the question. Is where, there anyone who's condemned? Yeah. And she says, nobody. Yeah. Which, which nobody implies there. that there's a, a freedom there. Yeah. I don't necessarily condemn myself either. Like, I, yes. I, I am free. Yes. And we, you do get that sense. Totally. So here's what I'm, here's, I don't know if this is going to work or not. Okay. But, but here's the, the connection I was thinking in my head with um, Paul and Philippians. I, and I don't because I'm trying to think of why why the church in her wisdom choose this that passage from Paul. I know the second reading is always the wild card, but it always has something to do with the mm-hmm. readings. And I I think we made the good connections to the first mm-hmm. couple of readings, but and I'm not sure if this makes sense or not. But just before, literally right before the passage that we get in the readings, it's in chapter five. It's in verse five or six. We get it starting in verse eight. I think it's in verse six. Paul talks about he was blameless, righteous, sinless. Mm-hmm. He describes himself as the one who is sinless. Yeah. And now we have this gospel about Jesus asking for, okay, who's the one who's sinless? It's almost as if Paul is answering this. I mean, Jesus wants us to be righteous. He mm-hmm. wants us to be free of sin. Right. He's almost calling on this crowd, all right, who... Who is pure? Who is righteous? Righteous, of course, doesn't mean just we're we're awesome, but it means we're children, we're sons and daughters of God. Yeah. We're, we're we're in His image and likeness. Paul, 
He's basically identified, look, that's me. <laughs> I'm blameless. Yeah. I am sinless. But I'm not sinless for the sake of condemning the world. I'm sinless and blameless for the sake of redeeming the world, for mm. the sake of making myself low like Jesus was when he bent down, mm. so that I can go out to these sinners like this woman and not condemn them, but be the first to bring them back mm. because I was brought back. Because I don't know. And, and like I said, maybe I'm stretching this too much. I'm just yeah. thinking about the way that Jesus articulates that, the way that Paul articulated his own self-identity. And of course, Paul had sin like mm. the rest of us. But the fact that he identifies himself that way and then says, I mean, what these Pharisees and scribes are trying to do is put themselves on this high pedestal and show why they are so much better than this poor sinful woman. Mm. Paul says, I'm just like that, but not for the sake of being put on a high pedestal, but for the sake of being brought low Mm. and pouring myself out and counting all the things that they counted for themselves in the gospel story. I count them all as refuse. I count them all as loss. Yeah in the opposite way in which they did it. I'm yeah. the one Jesus was looking for. Yeah. He's, he seems to be saying and thinking, I'm the one he was searching for because, again, not that he wants me to throw the first stone, but he wants me to be the one to go out. And, and you know, imagine if one of those scribes or Pharisees, in response to Jesus' question, you know, extended a hand to this woman mm-hmm. and said, I'm not going to, you know, instead right. of, because even then they, they all just walk away. Right. Even that's kind of a coward's way out. Yeah. Just, oh, okay, well, yeah, we're, we're yeah, out of here. We wash yeah. our hands of this. Yeah, you, you wonder if, if, if they were walked away because they're, the trap was foiled. Right. Or if they actually really had some sort of conversion or something like that. And, and yeah. I hope they did. Yeah. But even that, this mm-hmm. poor one. I mean, the Pharisees were the self-described shepherds and, and fathers of the people. Yeah. Here is one of their people right. who's been hurt and bruised and yeah. battered. And in response, great, they don't kill her. Yeah. Bravo, scribes and Pharisees. Yeah. Thank you for not killing her. But these are her shepherds. These mm-hmm. are her father figures. And now they're they're just out of there. Which, again, I, I credit them for the, the self-reflection if that is what's happening. Yeah. But what Jesus is saying, no, there's more to yeah. do. And I think that's what Paul yeah. is partially recognizing. Yeah. Well, okay. I've got a thought. Okay. All right. Let's see. So it's the experience of this woman who ends up walking away. Okay. Like, what is that experience like? You know, she's, you can imagine what kind of life she's, she's yeah. suffered yeah. to be in a position of committing adultery, getting caught in the act of the adultery. You know, it's like she's probably been thirsting for love right. and hasn't been able to find it. Right. You know, been Certainly. objectified and used. Right. Um, and then what do the Pharisees do? They actually do this very same thing. They use Absolutely. and objectify her in order to get to Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, what manipulation. Yeah. It's horrible. Absolutely. But here's the moment. Like, mm. what was that moment in where she met? the gaze of Jesus. And he, he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so this is the very beginning of the rest of her life. This is her exodus. This is her exodus. And this is actually precisely the thing where Jesus says, remember not. Mm. Remember Ooh. not. Boom. And this is so look back. Don't look back on this because I myself have forgotten your sins. Wow. Like I don't even remember them. Boom. And then and then it goes to St. Paul and also the psalm, yeah. because this is the very beginning of the rest of his life, how he's striving now towards the goal yeah. that he might be more conformed to the sufferings of Jesus yeah. so that he might attain the resurrection from the dead. And then even right. in Psalm 126, when they get back to the promised land, oh, they're not done yet. Right. They're still like right. waiting for that full restoration to happen. Right. And it's this moment where it's like we have to continue to sow seed right. in tears, but we will come back rejoicing 
as we reap. You know, it's right. like, and that I hope. Right. And so it's like the beginning of my whole life is that gaze of Jesus where he remembers not our sin. And I live the rest of my life out of gratitude now, yeah. which is the beginning of a life of holiness. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love to picture the woman. Again, she goes on her way and she's like, am I dreaming? Like, yeah, did that really yeah. happen? Yeah, exactly. Just like confused in joy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Is, like, is this a dream? Finally, are you? the love that I've been searching for, I have experienced right. it. I know it. Right. Yeah. As she's crossed her Red Sea and she's yeah. beginning now. Yeah. Gosh, boom. Boom. Well, there you have it. Well, hopefully that's uh, it's close enough. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's profound. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, that's all the time we have Sweet. for today. Thank you, Father Brady, for joining oh, me bet. today. This was awesome. Yeah, um, yeah appreciate your insights. Sure. Um, I well, wish I could have thrown in some Father Peter quotes, but I couldn't think of anything totally ridiculous, absurd to say. It wouldn't have worked. Yeah. <laughs> it would have gotten real weird real quick. Anyway, Father Peter will be back next week. We'll have a brand new episode and uh, have a wonderful fifth week of Lent, and we'll see you next week. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye.